The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in this week. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. I have absolutely enjoyed serving in this capacity and and being on the show with you. Uh, And in order to really bring you the best content that I can, I act something like a talent scout. So always on the look for people that maybe could have an interesting story or a perspective to to lend, something that I think you may be able to appreciate. So as just one example, last Sunday, my daughter and I went to the opera here in Dallas to see Iolanta, which is a fairy tale-like story where a Russian princess who comes in, she doesn't know she's deaf, she's never been told this, and of course she falls in love, everyone lives happily ever after, as all good fairy tales go, right? Well, the best part, of course, about that whole performance is that after the, the actual opera performance, we went to the cast party and got to meet the performers. So we met a Russian man named Mikhail, who played King Rene, the, the princess's father. So he has this incredibly deep bass voice that really sets him apart, it's, as it's the lowest vocal range of all voice tops, types, just really low down there. But the best part of that story is that in speaking with him, I learned that he had begun his first life, his first career, as an agrochemist. And he only found opera accidentally later in life when someone insisted he just try to sing for him, just to humor him. And that interventional developmental moment is really what set him on this whole new career course. So, of course, after learning this, you know what I asked him, you know what the question was. Hey, I've got this radio show, would you like to be a guest? And he said yes. So at some point in the future, you get to hear from, from Mikhail and hear his story from Russia about he suddenly changed his career path. I think it should be a great interview. For those of you who were with us last week, you got to hear from Dr. Michael Harris, a hypnotherapist and life coach who has worked with Olympic athletes, professional and amateur golfers, CEOs, housewives, children, and returning vets, just to name a few, to help them get focused, win medals, enjoy their jobs and their families. So it's been an interesting um, ride for him, and it was a great interview with lots of stories about how he's worked with his clients over the years. And here we are this week. We will be focusing this week on bringing our true and best selves to work, and not only the fulfillment that comes with being authentic, but also the results that come along as well. So Kimberly Davis is my guest. She's the founder and director of On Stage Leadership and a true proponent of living and working authentically. And as you know by now, I like to say where I find my guests. I, I will full, fully admit that she has been a longtime friend of mine and even a past neighbor. And when we both lived in Seattle years ago is how we actually met. And I've watched her found and build her business and really come into this talented and powerful woman that she is today. And it's it's an honor to be your friend and witness your journey you've been on. I'm so glad you could join me. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. Oh, Elise, I am so excited to be here. I am such a huge fan of your show and of your work. And it is a true honor to be with you and with your listeners today. 
Well, this is going to be fun. I think it's going to be a fun of you. I also know for sure that I'm going to learn things about you that I didn't know before. Uh-oh. Yeah, I just know it. So I've got a few sneaky questions geared in here. But to kick us off here, will you just give us a quick introduction of yourself? How do you describe yourself and what you do today? How do I describe myself and what I do today? Wow, that's a really interesting question. What I do, I can describe a little bit easier than I can describe myself. What I do is I run an experiential leadership program that helps people really get to their most powerful and real and constructive self. So they feel more confident, they feel more engaged in their work, which I know is a big thing for you, and uh, they get better results. They're a lot more effective in, in the things that they do. So it is truly uh, the joy of my life to be doing what I am doing. And I guess when, when you ask me, you know, tell me about what about myself, is that I am, I, I am someone who gets an incredible amount of joy in watching other people do what it is that they're here to do on this planet. And so I get to help them do that. And that's a really cool thing. It is a really cool thing. And I've been witness to this several times. Um, so, well, here's the amazing thing. You've been at this for several years, and I want to talk about how you've grown your business, of mm-hmm. course. But before that, I always like to know how people got into this. I know that before you you got into this business, you had other careers, did other things, one of which was being an actress. But will you kind of narrate for us the, the story, the journey of how you got there? Yeah, well, Elise, it's been anything but a straight path. I've definitely <laughs> taken the circuitous route in life, and that has served me well. And I think for people that get very frustrated, if you're one of those people that gets frustrated I don't know what my path is. It's okay. Where you are will lead you to where you're supposed to be next if you pay attention to that. And so luckily, I've been given a lot of opportunities in my life, and I've just paid attention over the course of it. And and uh, so, uh, you know, I, as you said, I did theater for uh, about 10 or 15 years, and um some of it was a fabulous experience and some of it was not so fabulous. But what I did is when I moved to Seattle, I looked for a survival job because I didn't want to wait tables any longer. I'd done that long enough in college. And I looked for a survival job and I landed a job at a company called the International Advisory Services. And what we did is we did academic placement for Japanese students who uh, lived in Japan, wanted to study in the U.S. and Canada. And uh, similar to the way you're wired, I learned everything I could. I I just, I was, I had a voracious hunger to learn the business and to uh, find a way to add value to what they were doing. And so I quickly became a, an academic advisor and I started saying to my boss, look, I, I'm not feeling challenged. I need to do something else. And he said, well, you know, you've got these skills around theater. I bet you could probably do some training. And I thought, well, sure, I could do that. And because I didn't know any better to say no, right? <laughs> so, so he sent me to Japan to run cross-cultural workshops for the students at all of these college fairs throughout Japan. It was an extraordinary experience because here I am in my early 20s uh, giving these cross-cultural workshops with a simultaneous translator. And as I'm speaking to these Japanese students they would start laughing at things that weren't funny because he was saying things that were funny, <laughs> pretending I had said that. And But I got to see all of Japan that way. It was a fantastic experience. And then I trained the other counselors, the Japanese counselors who were advising the students to come over to the U.S. And that was the first time in my life, I think, I realized that the skills that I had gained through studying theater 
were transferable in the world of business. And it was a huge aha moment for me. So, uh, you know, fast forward five years, I did that for about five years. And then again, I wanted another challenge, but my boss he didn't want to grow the company, he didn't want to do anything differently. So I said, well, you know, I think my time has come to find my next avenue. And so I took a, a theater tour to Germ- Germany for three months and went all over Germany to kind of find myself and got back and started doing work in uh, sales and uh, hospitality and landed at uh, a destination management company. Now, destination management companies, for those of you who don't know what destination management is, destination management companies will work with the big conventions and associations that are coming into town. So let's say the American Heart Association is coming to town. So they're bringing 20,000 people into town and they're going, the destination management company will help them set up all their registration and all of the the offsite tours and all of their speakers and their events and all of those sort of things. But the important thing to know about that is what it is what they called churn and burn business because the American Heart Association is going to come to Seattle one time in probably 10 years. They're not going to okay. come back. Okay. What they brought me on to do was to develop their corporate business, which is relationship business. Okay. Very, very different beast. Mm-hmm. And so I would I would work with corporations. We'd, I would sell them uh, these, these events and whatnot. But it, it was treated like churn and burn business. And I thought, well, that's not going to work. And that doesn't feel good to me. And so I saw an opportunity there in the market at that time because there wasn't a lot of corporate events company in Seattle at the time. So I started my own corporate events company. And, uh, you know, at first it was picnics and events and things like that. But it then merged into company meetings. And so my largest client at the time, Corbis, which is a digital imagery um, business. Uh, I was doing all of their global company meetings for them. And at the time, they had 11 offices worldwide. And so I used, again, all of my theater skills. We would develop an arc in the, the, the meeting. We would grab their attention with beautiful imagery and videos. And I would work with their executives and their messaging. And how are we going to take this you know, from a beginning, middle, and end standpoint? And I remember at the end of one meeting, people were saying, I feel so proud to work here. And that hadn't been happening before because before it was just floating heads at the you know hotel ballroom just giving a bunch of information. And right. now we looked at this as an opportunity to get people inspired and excited about what they what this company stood for. And um, so that, you know, oh, that was a little bit of an aha moment for me. And then um, I remember so distinctly one of the, there was a new VP, senior VP of, uh, of Corpcom, and um, she, she was looking at adding to her team, and she came up to me, and she says, you know, I think you might be right for your team. Tell me about your background, and I started talking about my theater background, she's, oh, uh, yeah, you're not who I thought you were. <laughs> And I said, well, what did you think, think it was? was? <laughs> and she said, well, I thought you had a master's. Your work looks like, you know, la, la, la. And I said, well, excuse me. And, I, you know, I, I don't think I would do this at this point in my life. I've got a little bit more uh, savvy, business savvy. But I said, you know, actually, theater is exactly what works for Corpcom because don't you need to understand what drives those employees from that internal space to be able to ensure that the messaging is addressing their needs and that they get excited about what's going on? And so I, like, went into this huge diatribe and she just went, uh-huh. And uh, a month later, she approached me 
with this opportunity to do uh, to do something called the Customer Experience Program. What the it's the CEO at the time really wanted to help all of the employees company wide better understand their customers' uh, experience, and so they had me. Uh, why they asked me to do this, I don't know. I'm grateful they did, but I developed this full day program. Uh, to help them better understand their customers. And it was very, very experiential. So they got to actually you know, walk in the shoes of their customers. Uh, but when it came time to vet facilitators for the program, I said, you know, we just don't have the budget for this. I, I don't know what we're going to do. And they said, well, you need to figure this out because this is Steve's <laughs> pet project and you can't say no to this. We have to figure this out. And what it turned out is I said, well, you know, um, I guess I can facilitate it. I've never facilitated before in my life, but I guess I can facilitate it. And so they said, okay. And so I said, but you need to send me to some training. And so they sent me to facilitator training and I got certified as a facilitator. But I spent the next year in the classroom with a thousand employees. And the only person to, that I know, at least at that time, who had spent, they, it was mandated for every employee company-wide from the CEO down to the receptionist. What an opportunity. And to help them understand, what was your role with the customer? Why do you care about this? And bar none, what I saw on every employee's faces when they could get, this is why I count in this story, mm-hmm. it, they were lit up. Yeah, and I matter. Yeah, I make a difference. Yes, yes, yes. Who it doesn't was, want that? It was the most joyful experience ever, and I got to see the world. I saw Paris and Dusseldorf and Hong Kong, and, and I, it was it was it was fabulous experience. And um, then I got pregnant, so it wasn't going to be doing the light, the world traveling, and <laughs> got certified as a coach, and then started um, leading leadership uh, content for, I was a hired gun for another company and started leading their leadership contact around engagement and other leadership things. And uh, I was on site for a client and I started talking about my theater background and he came up to me and he said, you know, I've always wanted to do a leadership program based on theater. Mm. And I said, well, you know, I've been noodling something over for years and haven't had an excuse to develop it. And so we negotiated this screaming deal where I would retain ownership of the content. He would, he would be able to do it for his high, uh, high potentials. And I mean, this was one of the largest companies on the planet. So it was a huge, huge, scary, exciting opportunity that I didn't want to make a complete fool out of myself. So I ran a pilot of this program in Dallas, Texas, seven years ago, and that pilot was on stage leadership. Wow. See, I didn't know any yeah. of this. this well, is crazy. See, you know, we need to we need to cover some of this ground. Uh, so yeah, so he was on stage leadership. That was seven years ago. We ran the pilot in Dallas. It was an extraordinary success. We ran it up in Philadelphia for this massive pharma uh, company, and it was an extraordinary success. And I have not looked back because when I realized this is what I was put on the planet to do, I thought I'm hooked. Here I am. How gorgeous is yeah. that? Yeah, I'm lucky. <laughs> uh, I, I love how you narrated that because what I heard in that is really just this is wonderful crescendo, uh, that sort of building momentum that got you to where you are today. That you picked yeah. up everything that you had along the way and just put it into your toolkit, and here you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one of the things I talk to participants about is, look, hey, your journey is your journey, and what has brought you to today is going to make you unique and special. And if you can leverage that and find a way to add value 
then that is what you were put here to do. Mm-hmm. I love that. And, and speaking of unique and special, one of the things that I don't think I've ever asked you is, what kinds of roles did you play as an actress? <laughs> I played every kind of role you can think of. Uh, I did a lot of musicals. Some of the musicals I did, I, did, I played a, a role in a, a, a character named Pam in a, in a musical called Baby. I've done Desiree in a little night music. I did Adelaide in Guys and Dolls. So a lot of musicals. My degree was actually in musical theater. Yes. And um, did a lot of what we call straight plays. So I did some Moliere. I played uh, Denise Savage in Savage and Limbo. I loved the rich, meaty kind mm. of plays, you know, that would force people to think and feel more deeply than they ever had before. And and I think that's what led me to what I'm doing now. I was thinking the same yeah. thing. Yeah. And, and so when I did, you know, would go out for a Tide commercial or something or, or, or Oklahoma, or I never got excited about it. I thought, well, and here's the thing is, as an actor is if you can't get excited about whatever it is you're auditioning for, you're going to be unemployed because the competition is too big. And what got me excited is people thinking and feeling in ways that they didn't allow themselves to do that. What a perfect setup for the work you're doing today. That is perfect. And And the fact that you were able to get that then is amazing to me. And again, something I didn't know about you after all these years. How come? Well, I guess we just need to spend more time together. (laughs) (laughs) Or do more of these interviews. Uh, well, one of the things that, that is related to that, that you're really kind of queuing up for me, is you, you are focused on authenticity. That yeah. is, I think of you as the authenticity girl, right, or the woman. So because we do enjoy a nice international audience here, will you first say, what is authenticity to you? Well, so I have to be perfectly honest. Authenticity, for me, I love, I, I borrow Bill George's definition of authenticity. Now, for those of you who don't know who Bill George is, he is um, was the CEO for Medtronic, and he's now on uh, Harvard Business School and teaches for their School of Management. And uh, he wrote the book, Authentic Leadership. So when you write the book, Authentic Leadership, you get to be the guru I of see, authentic I leadership. Um, but I his, stand corrected. Yeah, <laughs> yes. But his definition is, are you genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief? And I love that. And what I love about that, Elise, is that so many people think authenticity is about, I'm just going to be who I am. I don't care what you think. Mm -hmm. But his definition, my genuine worthy of trust, reliance, and belief, is anchored in the perception of the people you are trying to lead and influence. Wow. Okay, now with that, perfect time to go on on break so they can noodle that as as we go away on this break. So... Um, I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the sh- on the air with Kimberly Davis, who's been talking about her company, how she's been created, how she's created her company over this series of many career experiences. It's called On Stage Leadership. After the break, I want to hear more about authenticity and how what it what it, what you think gets in the way of us being authentic. Yeah. Stay with us. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus, topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. We are here with Kimberly Davis. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. Before the break, Kimberly had beautifully queued up this definition of authenticity that she borrowed from, apparently, a great author. And I wanted her to repeat it, because I thought it it did bear repeating. Say again how he defines authenticity. Yeah, so Bill George uh, defines authenticity, are you genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief? And the interesting thing about that from a leadership and influence perspective is that that lies in the eyes of the beholder. Mm-hmm. They get to decide. Do they experience you as genuine, worthy of trust, reliance, and belief? You don't. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean you become a shapeshifter, but that means that you have to be aware that every human being that you come across is going to have different needs. And what they need from you is something very, very different and unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's amazing, and it seems it seems so simple, but maybe the way to illuminate it is what gets in the way of us being authentic? Well, you know, it's, it's, it, that's a huge question because the short answer to that is ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Again, very simple. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's a study that really got me thinking about this this topic of what gets us, gets in the way of, of us being authentic that I, I heard about probably about 13 years ago. Back in the 1960s, it was like around 1967, uh, Dr. George Land and Dr. Erica Jarvis did this study around creativity. And they had done this, uh, NASA had asked them to write this creativity test uh, to help them vet their future scientists and engineers for who are, who are going to be the most creative people that we could bring onto the team. And what they decided is, hey, this, this test is pretty powerful. We could use it for other people. So what they did is they gave it to a group of 1,500 uh, five to eight-year-olds. Hmm. And the results were really amazing because out of 1,500 five to eight-year-olds, 98% of them tested as the genius level for creativity. So they gave the same test again mm. 10 years later, okay? So, uh, no, five years later. So they're now five years older. And now, only five years later, only 37% of them tested at the genius level. Five years after that, 
only 12%. That's crazy. Yeah, absolutely insane. So you're watching creativity totally tank over time. And when you look at what's going on in the lives of these people, you know, you're thinking schools and social groups and and friendships and society and, and media and all of these messages that we're getting in our lifetime that, that keep us from thinking creatively. Now, you know, this test was about creativity, but what started me thinking about is what, what really is creativity? Well, creativity is simply unique human expression. Mm, what a great That's what it is. I was right? thinking you were linking So, that. you know, so what we're doing as we get older is we are uh, expressing ourselves less and less authentically because mm-hmm. we are reacting. We're in reaction to all of these messages and all this stimuli around us. And as we get older, we stop being who we are. That genius is still there. That's mm. what I believe, mm. at least. Mm. 98% at five years old tested the genius level. By the time they were over the age of 24, only 2%. Mm. So this is really, really extraordinary to me. Did the article at all address why they thought there might be the decline? Well, I mean, I'm sure there are lots of other studies about that. I didn't find that particular thing. I've got my own uh, my own ideas around that. I mean, I really do think you know, school and media and all of the different different people in our sphere, uh, our interactions with just growing up and finding ourselves uh, would have affect that. But I hadn't read an actual study around mm. that. Mm. Yeah, that is really really interesting. As you as you well know, one of the things that I love is the Strengths Finder, Gallup Strength Finder, and of course anybody in my sphere has had to take this assessment. Of course, yeah. right? Yeah. Including my poor husband and my child. <laughs> well, one of the things that I did with my daughter, who's twelve, is I had her take it because my whole focus on her, my perspective on that, which may probably align why we're such good mm-hmm. friends, is I feel like my job with her is to really discover who she is at yes. her core yes. and help her find a way to make that work in the world. What a gift. That's what I'm hoping to do for her. Yeah. And so when you say this idea of declining creativity, that's fascinating to me. And I immediately understood that you were connecting it to authenticity. Yeah, well, because what you know, a lot of people talk about this work as being transformational work. I don't think of it that way, because I believe that that's still there inside of it, uh, inside of all of us. I believe it's excavational work. Mm. Where, what a great you know, way to say How it. do we get, get back to where we are able to have that freedom to be who we are? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So when I think about what you do, and there's so many different avenues that you tend to play in with regard to your own company and the other activities you're involved in, what I see here is kind of a thread. So you teach mm-hmm. leadership, presence, influence, presentation skills, and authenticity. Yeah. So how did those all come together for you? Well, I so the world loves to put things in boxes to make sense of it. We have our leadership box. We have our influence box. <laughs> right. Particularly HR. We right. like we've got our two-day presentation right, skills right, program, right. right, you know. So, But I don't look at them as in boxes in that same way. I look at them all as one thing. It's really all about connection. Mm-hmm. You're either connecting mm-hmm. or you're not. As a leader, you're either connecting in a way that people want to follow or you're not. They want to give you their best. They want to pay attention. As a, as, a present, as a presenter, you're either connecting with your audience in a way they want to listen, they can't wait to tune in, or you're not. Yeah. It's all about connection. Influence, you're either connecting in a way that they, they feel they're, they're going to be naturally influenced by you, or you're not. So how do you help people show up in a way that they can really, truly connect to the other human beings around them, whether it's in a one-on-one situation and a team meeting or whether you're giving a presentation to 2,000 people. Wow. Well, I know that you are, in fact, going to be doing an on-stage leadership um, workshop on 
Uh, is it Thursday this week? Yeah, in Dallas? that's tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow is Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yes, tomorrow yeah. is Thursday. It, just briefly, can you tell us, help us understand, what do you do? What magic happens in that day? Well, so on-stage leadership is really an inside-out job, okay? So we start with looking at really identifying what drives you at your course. It's some of the work you're already talking to Gabby about, which is mm-hmm. extraordinary. Helping people name and get clarity around, this is what drives me. Some people call that purpose. In on-stage leadership, we call it your super objective. But really getting clarity, clarity about that because once you can name something, you can do something about it. And so once they have clarity about that, we look at, well, how do you achieve that? in all of the different situations that you face, no matter how challenging that might be. So you might have, um, you I mean, maybe you're about inspiring your people. Well, that's really great and wonderful when you've got people that are all working hard for you and showing up on time. But what, do you, what if you stand for inspiring your people and you have to fire someone? How do you inspire someone in the face of that situation? Mm-hmm. So it's how do you... How do you help people show up consistently, congruently to who they truly are so they're not having to pretend and so that the byproduct of that is that people want to pay, pay attention, they want to follow, they want to give, your, give you their best. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so and it's a, I know it's a very intense, very enriching personal day for people. I know that. And when I think about your part in it, because you know one of the other things that makes me me is I'm a meeting and work researcher. So I care about your connection also to the work that you do. And one of the things that you have said consistently as you come out of those sessions is that you say you spend the day in gratitude when you do these sessions. Tell us more about that. Why are you in gratitude? How how so? Oh, Elise, when you get to be in the presence of someone who is experiencing their own power for the first time. They get, they gets to see why they matter and what lights them up for the first time. And you watch the transformation from before they recognize that to when they get it. I mean, they get it at their core and you see it. You see, you see it in their face. You see it in the way they speak. You see it in their body language. It is, um, it is one of the most extraordinary experiences I've ever had. Uh, I'm just incredibly grateful and humbled to be able to be a part of that for people. Mm -hmm. Incredibly powerful. And of course, I have experienced your, your session as well. It is incredibly powerful. And when I watch your reaction to all of us as we come up and present, it it is, it's humbling as a participant, but it's also amazing for me as your friend to get to see that happen. Oh, thank you. It's beautiful. Thank and you. and when I think about so many people that are expressing to me, gosh, I'd love to find what it is I'm supposed to be doing, or I'd love to find work that was more meaningful, which is the reason I'm doing the show. I'm yeah. trying to bring people on the show like yourself who have somehow found that magical path, however it was, circuitously, by accident, dumb luck, whatever it is. I love bringing those kind of stories because I think there's some education there. There's some inspiration in there. If you can do it, somebody else can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. People think they have to find you know, the perfect job but we can find that sense of authenticity and joy and connection to our work in, in a variety of ways. If you start to ask yourself, why do I care about this? I do what I do for the sake of what? Mm-hmm. And you get down to those answers. It will lead you to what is the impact you want to have? Mm-hmm. What I have also learned in my interviews with, with the people I interviewed for this last batch of research was 115 people is during the course of the interview, a few people actually said that 
the course of questioning got them to think about when I asked them, what do you find meaningful and why is that important? Several of them walked out and said, you know, what I've realized is that I have a lot to be grateful for and that I need to be more appreciative of the work that I actually have. It was a matter of bringing it to a conscious level and living it on that level to really activate it for myself. And Which I, I know your research has done. Right. And I, I think that is incredibly powerful. So even just the act of having a conversation with somebody can activate this and even intervene and be a developmental moment for them. And so one of the things I like to do in the show is to be able to remind people of that. Maybe you're already in a great place. Wonderful. Be mindful of it. Live it. Enjoy it. Embrace yeah. it. Right? Yeah. 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 So you've been doing this now for how many years? Seven years? Well, on stage leadership for seven years. I've been doing leadership development for about 15, 16 years, but on stage leadership specifically for seven years. And I also do other speaking engagements and things like that. Okay. So one of the other things that I know about you, and I've been with you a little bit on this journey, but if you, create, you have created this company from scratch, the program, the materials, everything. And I know that's a, an awful lot of work. So part of it, I know that it came from the opportunity to, to be able to service the, the friend that came sure. to you and said, I want to do this. I want to combine um, theater with leadership development training. What can you do? Which is a great opportunity. But help us understand, how did you pull off that process? You know, I, um, I have been incredibly fortunate. My parents they helped me feel like I could do anything. And I'm not sure what specifically they did for for that to happen. But I never felt like I wanted to wait around for permission to do what it is I was here to do. And so, for example, as an actress, you know, it's it can be a really depressing thing. You're auditioning and auditioning and auditioning. Only 2% of actors make an, a living wage. Wow, 2%. Acting, right, 2%. And so um, it was really easy to join the pity party and wonder, why not me? And so I, th- I decided, well, I'm not going to wait around for someone to cast me. So I started producing my own plays and pr- producing my own cabaret shows and doing sort of things like that. And so I've never, I've never been wired where I will wait around for permission to participate. So I, I feel, you know, I think that really goes back to my parents and helping me feel like I can, I've got the, I've got the capability to do that. And maybe it's a little bit of ignorance because I never really, I mean, I don't, I don't even think about the repercussions of, you know, this might not fly. You might really stink at this and they might just laugh you off the stage. I just did it because it was what I was driven to do mm-hmm. it was inside you you were yeah. activating it how what race excavating you were excavating excavating it. Yes. i love that i love that yes. I'm, gonna, I'm so gonna steal that i mean borrow yeah, that yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah go for it <laughs> <laughs> so so your actual program here so when i think about onstage leadership here who attends and why well so most of the people the, the program was originally developed for a group of high potentials right i hate the the word high potential because it means to me it, it sounds like not everyone's a high potential and i think everyone's got a lot more potential than we realize but uh so it it's uh really designed for emerging leaders high potentials it's kind of the same thing but i define emerging leaders very very loosely i define emerging leaders as anyone who's new to leadership who is being groomed for leadership or who aspires to be a more powerful leader and so that really fits the bill for a lot of people and how do they find out about your program? Do you have do you work with corporations? Do you public workshops? How do you, how do people find out about your program? Well, most of my programs are open enrollment. I do work with corporations and do uh, uh, internal programs for corporations. For years and years and years, it was mostly word of mouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's taken years, yeah, right? Sure, sure. And um, so a lot of word of mouth. And then once I get uh, loyal clients, they have just they've been a huge gift to me. So I will, you know, when I when I start to work with one 
company, they'll start having me do all of their emerging leader training. And and um, and so now with, of course, I'm getting more active with social media, and that's starting to help as well. And that in and of itself, I know, is an art and a science. I know that. And I've I'm watched still you learning. Also, yeah, I've watched <laughs> still you, learning. I've watched you navigate that channel, and you've taught me a lot about it as well. And I, I know that's a really important component. And along those lines, one of the things I've watched you do over the last year plus, I guess it was, is you have been this disciplined blogger. I think if, if I if I have it right, you've been writing a daily blog for well over a year. Is that right? Well, so I've been blogging for almost two years now. Two years now. Yeah. Okay. And for the first year, it was every single day. And it was a discipline. I, I would do it every single day. Well, five days a week, every working day. Okay. And um, now that I'm working on my book, I've back back my blogging off and uh, but I'm still blogging about once a week and why did you do that because we started the reason I, I tagged that blogging I, t- I tagged it to the social media piece mm-hmm. so what was your idea what was your intent to start writing a blog every single day why why every day well, there were a couple of things. One is uh, I wanted to grow myself as a writer. I knew I wanted to write a book, and then I had a story to tell, but I didn't have the confidence at the okay, time, sure. and I hadn't really nailed what's my voice. And uh, so the exercise of blogging every single day forced my feet to the fire and forced me to go, well, what do I really think about this? And how do I frame this in a way that someone who's never had this conversation before might be able to hear it and understand it and get something from it? And so it made me better. And um, it still makes me better. Uh, so, of course, from a marketing standpoint, it helped me get my voice out into the very, very crowded space that is leadership development. Right. Um, but I think the, the biggest gain for me has really been my own personal growth through the process. Okay. Now, what kinds of things do you write about in your blog? Anything in relation to authentic leadership. So, uh, confidence. Uh, I will write around about um, integrity issues. I will write about um, presence, influence, present, anything around presentation skills, about how we hold ourselves back, about masking ourselves off, um, about um, purpose, a lot about purpose. Uh, so, I mean, it's a, it's a wide range of topics, but it's all, it all fits within that authentic leadership umbrella. Okay, so the book then, what's the book going to be about, and and when are we going to get it? Uh, Well, the when you're going to get it is a great (laughs) question. (laughs) Uh, The book is, the the working title right now, put it that way, is Brave Leadership, an Emerging Leader's Guide to Real Results. Wow. Um, And I've been working on it for... Uh, about a year and a half, <laughs> and it's about it's about three quarters of the way done, and it's gotten some really good positive feedback from um, an agent editor who's seen it, and I still have to send it off to other agent editors because she's not quite the right agent for it. But um, so now I'm in the process of of developing my platform so agents will take it seriously, and um, developing my Twitter following, you know, uh, on stage, Kimberly. <laughs> <laughs> developing the Facebook page and the LinkedIn and all of that so they can see, hey, you know, there's some buzz around this. And uh, so, you know, it ha- a, bo- a book has to go through a process. It has to be, you get an agent and then it, it's, then the, the book proposal is put together and then it goes to the publishers and then it goes through an editing process. So, you know, in a, in a gr- wonderful world, it would be within the next six months, all likelihood, it'd probably be about two years. So um, we'll hope that it goes faster than that. Wow. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I'll be one of your first readers, and I must have a signed copy, of course. Absolutely. 
Time for a short break. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Kimberly Davis, who is the founder of Onstage Leadership. After the break, I want to hear more from her about what it is she's trying to convey in that book and also the work that you're doing with um, women's leadership around the world. Stay tuned. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Divorce leaves behind some lasting scars. Besides the emotional impact of starting over, keeping your family in order, co-parenting, and the general confusion that comes with it, there are also financial impacts, slow and grueling legal processes, and lack of support and resources to turn to. Tune in to Divorce Sucks, a smart girl's guide to doing it better, with host Laura Maiola. We'll bring you the tools to sort it all out the right way. Every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. I hope you're enjoying what you're hearing. I think it's fantastic to have my dear friend Kimberly Davis of Onstage Leadership on air with me. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We were, before the break, just talking about her book that she's working on here. And uh, I love the title. I'll ask her to repeat that in just a second. And also to, to ask you, what are you trying to say in the book? What, what's your core message? So as I was writing Brave Leadership, uh, I started thinking, here's, here's what I really want people to get out of this. The leadership conversation is so complicated and so complex, and there's so many voices out there saying, you know, you need to do this and do this and follow these steps and all of that. And I really wanted to simplify and demystify the leadership conversation for people. So many people think, well, I could never do that. That's not me. I'm not a leader. And the truth is, is if you can get clarity around what is what, what is it that drives you? What is the impact that you are here to make? Then you can have an impact, whether it's on the people in your team, whether it's on the people, whether it's on your family, whether it's on your colleagues, on your company, or maybe you're even thinking on a more global scale on the world and your community. Um, but we can all, we are all have the ability to have an impact. And I want to unlock that for people because it is not right that 
leadership is is set aside for the privileged few. It is something that we all need to step up to the plate and own our power and and be able to make the impact that we are here to make. Mm. I can't wait to read it. And I so understand how this has come. This All of your experience, your perspective, your own maturation development process have culminated into this work and the book. And I think it's going to be fantastic. And, you know, the other thing I would say for you listeners out there, everybody needs support. So I hope you'll cheer Kimberly on as she finishes her, her work on the book. It's it's a long haul. So don't forget that people at the top also need help and support. <laughs> well, I don't know how right? at the top I am, but <laughs> people at the top need that kind of <laughs> I appreciate you saying so. <laughs> Let's think optimistically. Yes, shall we? yes indeed. I'm uh, at the top. Okay. Well, <laughs> along those lines, some of the other work that you do that I think is really phenomenal, Kimberly, that I I'm so impressed with is I know that you you teach authentic influence and influence without power for the Bush Institute's women's uh, fellowship program. So it's all about empowering future female leaders in the Middle East. Yeah. Would you say more about that? I That's am amazing. so incredibly grateful to be a part of this program. I teach for for SMU for Southern Methodist University here in Dallas, and I get to I, I get to teach authentic influence. And I say I get to teach because it is such a joy every time I get to do it. I teach authentic influence for them, and so. Uh, the Bush Institute uh, developed a partnership with SMU when they decided to create this Women's Initiative Fellowship Program uh, about three years ago, four years ago, and I was part of the very first class. And so what they're doing is they're trying to empower women from the Middle East and from North Africa to really make a difference in their communities and the lives. And mm-hmm. they believe that women are the beginning of transformation of, uh, in a country. And it's, it's such an incredible program to be participating in. And so they spend an entire month here in the U.S. going through classes. They go to New York, they go to D.C., they go to Silicon Valley and meet with LinkedIn and Google and Facebook, and then they each they each are assigned a mentor. And this year, I have the great blessing of being able to be a mentor for one of these women from Tunisia, uh, who is looking to make a difference in her country. And I don't know who's really going to be learning more, her or me. But it has really been a joy to get to know her and be a part of her journey. Mm-hmm. You know, when, one of the things that you said there with the idea of they really believe that women are the key to to, to changing their country. However, you said that. Mm-hmm is when I got to visit India in December, especially th- southern India, they say the same thing. Yeah. So, so much of, of the NGOs there, the non-governmental organizations, are geared toward empowering and developing and educating women because they feel like that's the key. Yes. And I think that's fantastic. So what is your part? What are you doing to teach these women? What, what are you trying well, to convey? So I teach I teach authentic influence, and, and it's very much like the, the work I do with SMU. It's helping them understand, uh, if you can understand what it is that drives you, what's your purpose, and how to make sure your actions are in alignment with that. And then the other big piece to that, Elise, is really understanding what gets in your way of being as powerful as you're going to be. Most of, the, most of the things that we do in life that lead us to be ineffective um, is the way we deal with vulnerability. Yeah. And so when we feel mm-hmm. vulnerable, we start to do strange things. We do we we shut ourselves off physically. We shut ourselves down emotionally. We start, shut ourselves down uh, mentally. Brene Brown has done some brilliant work along say, that line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so how do you break through that vulnerability? Understanding how you personally show up in the face of stress and anxiety, being able to name that so you can, you can work through that. Uh, and then you can achieve what it is you're there to achieve. So what's the cultural difference like? I mean, I, it must be very, very interesting to do that kind of work mm-hmm. with people from a very different cultural mindset. So what if what you, you know, it has been 
fascinating because you know Tunisia actually is not as is different from from American culture as you would think. Tunisia has uh, got a very close relationship with France, and so everyone is edu- educated in French and and Arabic right away, and then then um, uh, hmm. English. They usually speak five languages, but um, to wow. me, Tunisia is not as different from from U.S. culture as you would think. What here's the thing, Elise. What I've come to realize is it doesn't matter where you're from. What binds us all together is our humanity and how humans function really is not that different when you get to the basics. Mm. Um, So, you know, we may look at the world different. uh, Our values may be different. uh, But actually not that far apart. Uh, But humanity, we're all we're very much the same. And so how we deal with vulnerability whether you're in Dallas, Texas, or you're in Tunis, Tunisia, uh, is how you deal with vulnerability. Hmm. Now, how do these women gain access to the program? How do they gain entry to being even part of they something? They apply that for this program. So okay. there is a huge, okay. huge word of mouth in, in Tunisia and in, in the Middle East. The first program was in Egypt. And so they've run programs in Egypt and Tunisia. I don't know where they're planning on do, doing it next. Um, but it's it's a huge word of mouth. I think uh, the, the consulates get the word out. I think there's a lot of different avenues for women to, to find out about these programs. I cannot imagine the relationships you must be building with these women. They're I can't amazing. imagine. I, you know what? I, uh, I, the, the, here's the big secret. I think they're doing more for me than I'm doing for them uh, because <laughs> they are extraordinary. <laughs> they are amazing, mm-hmm. inspiring women and I'm I'm incredibly grateful to be able to be on their journey with them and how did that opportunity come along you mentioned working with uh, Southern Methodist University it was it was with SMU so the Bush Institute okay uh, partnered with SMU for that first week of classes so the very first session when it was the Egyptian women they showed up the very first session I kicked off the session my session was the first thing that they did for their month of adventure in the US and that night they had dinner with President Bush wow yeah so I was like oh my gosh and you got to be there too for that (laughs) no no no, oh, no, okay. no, no, no. <laughs> but I thought that was still pretty cool. It's I was very like, wow, cool. Wow, that was that's amazing. And so they keep they keep me as the kickoff um, because they tell me that I make it safe mm. for the women to fully show up. And that's I think that's what I hope I do in all my work mm. is that if I can make it safe for people to venture in to explore who am I for real Mm -hmm. then what they can do when they walk out of my session is extraordinary Mm -hmm. and we all get the benefit of that well I hope so so how many sessions have you been part of for the for the Bush Institute, yes. I've I've taught for them for three years. Oh wow! So, yeah. so how many yeah. sessions is that? Is no, it's that... only one session a year. So one they have one class a year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's the special time. And when does that happen? Oh, we just had it in March. In March. In March. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the class you were teaching on Monday night was what? That was for SMU's Authentic Influence, and okay. I, I teach that on Tuesday nights for their Certificate of Leadership program. Okay. So let's let's switch gears and talk about that. Who attends that course? Usually the participants for the Certificate of Leadership program are emerging leaders uh, that companies are sending to groom them for that next next step in their career. Uh, so, I mean, it, a lot of Fortune 500 companies, I mean, it's a real mix. Uh, the um, SMU has done a brilliant job of recruiting just 
dynamic, interesting, hungry to learn leaders. And the, the, the conversations are always incredible and rich. So this is uh, a question that I, I thought to ask as you've been talking here, and I think about, I clearly know and see how passionate you are about the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine doing any other kind of work? Uh, I, no, well, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I might get yeah. you with that one. You know, I, th- I think here's the thing, is that uh, I've got a lot of big things going on. I've got the book going on, and then I'm developing an online tool that helps people identify, you know, what it is that drives me. Um, so I've got some really big vision projects that are going to probably take me for the next, you know, five years at least, I would imagine. And I would suspect that if there's a there's a next chapter in my career, it would be an expansion of what I'm doing mm-hmm. rather than something else. Because what I'm doing is what I was put here to do, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. In fact, when I hear that kind of phrase, Kimberly, what I find really interesting is that, as you know, because you've been my friend listening to this for the last three years, my meeting and work research that I've done, and I've got the 15 modes of engagement that, that, that really capture how people experience their work and what does it mean to who they are in terms of their identity. One of those modes is called living my purpose. And everything that you have said in this interview tells me that that is the mode of engagement that you're experiencing. And most people would kill to be in that place. So you've achieved it, and you've told us a little bit about how it is that you've done it over the years here. Um, as we get close to the end of the show here, could you maybe just maybe finish by saying a couple of things, give a couple of ideas of, as to how to encourage people to be more authentic, to live a more purposeful, authentic life? Well, I think there are a couple of things. Uh, the first thing to do is to honor what's real for yourself. And I think a lot of us will discount our own inner voice. And, um, you know, there are a lot of shoulds out there. There are a lot of, um, a lot of uh, people that tell you you need to be a certain way. And it is really hard to know what is your way. So to really stop and listen to your inner voice and uh, get out of the noise. And some, you mm. know, for some people, that's journaling, and some people, that's meditation. And there's a lot of different, some people's exercise to really still all the noise to be able to hear what is real for me. And then start to listen to that, that quiet voice inside that says, This is what I love. I do what I do for the sake of what? Mm-hmm. And then ask yourself, What is the impact? you want to have outside yourself on the on the people that you're with on your what's the impact you want to have on your family what's the impact you want to have on your direct reports on your teammates on the people in your life what an incredible way to finish Kimberly that was exactly what I was hoping for what a beautiful summation to what we've been talking about for the last hour you were absolutely the guest that I hoped that you would be and then some thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your perspective your wisdom your own journey um, you gave me so many things I really don't know how to pick out a couple that I, I'd want to actually showcase but a couple things that you said that I think are worth repeating and one is that whole notion of clearing the noise I love that just really listening and stealing for yourself what what you what is in you and who you want to be I think that's so important because that gets to the mindful stuff that I keep yeah. talking about another thing that you said I think is gorgeous is this idea of authenticity lies in the eye of the beholder I think that is such a profound statement there were so many things in this interview that I feel like gosh, are so worth repeating. So maybe some of us will come back and listen to the show again. 
Um, so when I think about you know this notion of this is what I'm supposed to be doing, how powerful a compass that is, I hear that in my research and I realize that these people are in their sweet spot. And you said that many times. It's gorgeous. So really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks, Kimberly. It has been an absolute privilege and actually a huge joy blast. <laughs> well, thank you. So uh, next week, we have an interesting guest as well coming on. Her name is Annette Anderson, and she's managed to transform herself from a very successful healthcare executive to an ordained spiritual coach through a long process of personal contemplation and spiritual work. She's going to share how she came to that realization of what she wanted to do differently for a profound change and really how she navigated that journey. So I hope you'll come back and join us. And remember, as I like to say, work is one third of our life. So let's work on purpose. See you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. We'll be right back.